Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Gabby. And I'm Rob. And this is Dark Origins Podcast, a podcast where I tell Rob about the inspirations behind all mediums of art, so movies, TV shows, music, etc. And sometimes we talk about times where art has inspired life. What's tonight about? Tonight is about the inspiration behind the movie I Am Ichihashi, Journal of a Murderer, which I did not watch this movie. I will not watch this movie The reason that I won't watch this movie is because the book that the movie was based on was written by the killer himself when he was in prison. And I personally think it's I think it's kind of fucked up that a publishing company published the book in the first place. And I think it's kind of fucked up that someone used the book as the basis for the movie because society is not going to benefit from a book written solely from the perpetrator's perspective well it's just their um, chance to relive what they did yeah there's so many things wrong with it that's one of them they know that it's going to hurt the family for them to put that out there that's another thing they're another victim and this guy likes to pretend like he isn't as terrible as he is by He offered the family all of the royalties from the book. The family understandably declined that offer, but it's not that nice to do that when you're in prison anyways. You're not going to... I don't know how... I don't know. He could have had unlimited ramen noodles. I mean, think about that. Unlimited ramen. (laughs) Sorry if I sound a little stuffed up. I've got a cold... Yeah, Rob's sick. He actually has COVID. (laughs) And, you know, maybe he could use the royalties later in life. So I maybe I don't know. I just think I think it's fucked up that he wrote the book. I think it's fucked up that someone published it and offering the royalties to the family is not making up for the fact that you wrote the book about it. So that you killed their family. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know if in the book it's it's an apology in any way? 
Or is it just a recounting of like exactly what happened? I think he does kind of try to apologize. He also kind of tries to apologize in the trial. But for the most part, the book does not focus so much on the murder itself. It focuses more on his time on the run. So he oh. he went on the run for a couple of years, which we're going to talk about, obviously. And that is mostly what the book is about. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, as fucked up as it is, that does sound interesting. I just don't want this person to... I don't know if they can make any money from it. That was the other thing I was going to mention. In some countries, you can't. I don't know about... I don't know about Japan, though. I don't know. I don't know. Because that's where this takes place is in Japan. Okay. So... Today, I'm going to be telling you about the inspiration behind his book and the movie. Obviously, it is the murder of 22-year-old Lindsay Hawker, a smart and successful woman at the hands of a deranged individual named Tatsuya Ichihashi. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I think I am. If you're not, fuck that guy. I know, but if someone else has that same name, I don't want them to be. No, I I don't want to offend anybody, but just that guy. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) fuck that guy. We'll call him Brian. (laughs) So before I tell you about the case, I want to tell you a little bit about Lindsay. She was one of three girls born in Coventry, England in 1984 to Bill and Julia Hawker. She spent her childhood and young adulthood in Coventry, attending King Henry VIII's school before leaving home to study at the University of Leeds. She did incredibly well in college and graduated with a first-class honors degree in biology in 2006. Cool. And then she planned to attend a master's program, but she wanted to take a gap year to travel and explore beforehand, before, you know, settling down and continuing on with her studies. So her plan was to travel as much as possible with her boyfriend, Ryan, before going back to school. Her travels began in Japan when Lindsay took a job at Nova, a private school that taught English in Tokyo. I'm not sure why, but her boyfriend wasn't able to come with her right away. Instead, he was supposed to fly out to meet up with her when summertime came. Sure. And then from there, they could continue their travels around Japan. The beginning of her trip was quite rough as she lived in an area of the city that wasn't very welcoming to foreigners, but she was quickly able to find new accommodations with two fellow Nova employees in a much more welcoming area of town. Lindsay was known to be a very kind, loving person who was excited about everything she was doing. Like she just had a love for life, you know? Yeah. She adjusted to living in Tokyo quickly, likely due to the fact that she had studied the language and culture long before she got there, and she had prepared herself for the move as much as was possible. And now our dog is digging at the corner, so I'm so sorry if you can hear that. (laughs) I hope they can hear it. It's super cute. It is so cute. This next part is really sweet. So her family was super, super close, which I'll talk about in a second. But her dad even gave her small packets of lavender that she could gift to people that she met throughout her stay, which I just thought was a really just a sweet thing. Yeah, it's a nice gesture. Of course, she missed home. So she stayed in near constant contact with her tight knit family, her boyfriend and all of her friends. They stayed in touch via email, Skype and phone calls. So, on March 24th, her family became worried when they hadn't heard from her. 
They didn't immediately jump to terrible conclusions. Instead, they told themselves she was likely just busy hanging out with friends. They were nine hours behind Tokyo time, so they thought she may have gone out early on March 25th to hang out with those friends, and maybe she just hadn't come back yet. Right. But they began to panic when they still hadn't heard from her the next day on March 26th, because that was completely unlike her. They talked basically every day. Meanwhile, in Japan, her boss became worried for her as well when she didn't show up to work on March 25th. This was highly unusual, as she never missed a day of work before. I'm assuming her boss had also tried to rationalize her absence so they didn't immediately call police, but on March 26th, when Lindsay still hadn't shown up for work, her employers realized something was very wrong, so they called her parents and then reported her missing to police. So this part is kind of weird, but Lindsay's friends had actually called police earlier in the day before the school called, but there was apparently a miscommunication between police stations, so nobody was ever sent out to investigate when her friends first called. But after the school called, police began their investigation. After looking through Lindsay's last communications and talking to her roommates, police had a solid lead. Lindsay's last known whereabouts had been at a cafe where she was giving a private English lesson to a man named Tatsuya Ichihashi. Hey, we talked about him before. Yes. (laughs) He's fucking deranged. Yes. She had left his name and address on a note for her roommates in accordance with practices suggested by Nova. Private lessons were pretty normal for the teachers there as the school encouraged it, but they did tell their teachers to do what she did, leave the person's name and address with your roommates or a friend or someone, uh, a coworker. Sure. Just basic safety precautions. Yeah. Tell someone where you are. Yeah. Always. Police officers were dispatched to the address of Tatsuya, but this is where they start to kind of, they, they fuck up a little bit here. Up. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> it didn't seem like there was any sense of urgency because it took them first over three hours to arrive to his place And then they just kind of stood around for a while. This doesn't make any sense to me because police uncovered some alarming information about Tatsuya. Sorry, that was our dog barking. First off, they read through Lindsay's most recent Facebook messages to her boyfriend, where she detailed how Tatsuya and her had met, and it sounded like a really scary situation. Lindsay told her boyfriend that she had been leaving the bus station after getting off of the bus, when the man who sat across from her on the ride approached her, claiming to be one of her students. She was sure that he was not one of her students, so she told him that. He asked, but you are an English teacher? To which Lindsay responded, yes. She hopped on her bike, attempting to continue her trip home, but the man chased after her. Uh, What? Yes. He followed her all the way to her apartment and asked for a drink of water. I've just been riding my bike real fast. I need some water. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Lindsay wanted him to know that she had roommates, you know, so that he knew like she doesn't live alone there. There are other people here right now and other witnesses. So she did allow him to come in for a quick glass of water. And she also told her boyfriend that she wasn't really scared of him per se. She just thought he was kind of weird and she mostly felt bad for him. Like it was a creep. He was just a creepy guy that probably didn't mean to be is what she thought. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. While he was in there, he drew a picture of Lindsay and signed it with his name, number and email address. 
It's unclear who reached out to who after this encounter, but I'm assuming it was probably Tatsuya. He asked Lindsay if she could give him a private lesson, and she agreed. The two planned to meet up at a local cafe on Sunday morning, and that cafe was her last known whereabouts. So she met in public, and it still wasn't safe. Yeah. Shit. Which we'll find out why. Sure. So police finally arrived to Tatsuya's apartment. This is the information that I just told you is all the information that they have right now because they went through her messages. Some reports state that they couldn't knock on his door without proper cause. I'm not sure what would qualify as proper cause if this didn't, but that's what they said. Instead, they went through the apartment above his and out onto the balcony to get a glimpse inside of his apartment. So you can't knock on the door and ask for permission, but you can sneakily look in the back window. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't. Well, I, that's a different law than what we have here. Yeah, I don't. I'm not really understanding know. the logic in this situation. It doesn't make sense to me. His balcony was below the one that they were on, and from here, they could see that he had moved his bathtub out onto the balcony and that someone was in the house. So, I mean, who doesn't put their bathtub on their balcony? Yeah, pretty pretty weird shit going on. Yeah. Um, but they still chose to wait outside instead of knocking on his door. I don't think it's a crime to put your bathtub on the balcony. It's not, but... Just everything that they know about this man, you would think that they would be a little bit more there, there would aggressive. Be some more, yeah. 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 I'm with you. About two hours after they had arrived, Ichihashi finally walked out with a backpack on. The officers verified it was him before asking to talk to him about Lindsay. He agreed and began to open the door to allow the officers in before making a break for it. So he turned around <laughs> Looks like he was going to put the key in. Yeah. And he just took off. Bolted. Obviously, police officers chased after him, but he was fast. So one thing that we will come to find out about Ichihashi, I'm probably going to switch to his last name because I think I think that's what I have written for the rest of this. It's more fun to say. So one thing that we'll learn about him is that he was obsessed with working out. Like he okay. worked out all the time. So he was in very, very good shape. So, so this dude could run. Yes. For a distance. Yes. As he got closer to the bottom of the stairs that he was running down, he just jumped over the rail several feet from the ground and then continued on his way, which the officers didn't feel safe doing that. So oh, no shit. They, he was way ahead of them at that point. Police began a search of the entire area, but they failed to find him. We know now that he passed some officers without them noticing. So he, he saw them, but they did not see him. And after this, he was just gone. They couldn't find him. So where'd they find Lindsay? So feeling that they had enough evidence at this point to search his apartment, detectives began to process it. At this point, they realized that the bathtub on his balcony contained Lindsay's body. He had put her in there and buried her with a mixture of sand and compost soil. And then also some chemicals to help speed up the decomposition. The decomposition. But one of her arms was still sticking out of the tub, which is something the officers missed when they first noticed it. Yeah, they were too busy looking in the windows. Yeah. They believe he was hoping to keep her in there until her body decomposed, aided by the compost soil and compost chemicals he added in there. Her body bore signs of a violent assault and a bloody fight. He had cut off her hair 
And also, this is another reason why they thought that he was planning to just leave her there while her body decomposed because hair, I guess, takes longer to decompose. So they thought that he had cut it off so that she could decompose quicker and the evidence uh, would be if gone. If he's that smart. Quicker. Yeah. But I think he, he did study like horticulture or something. So he may have some idea. Yeah, he may have. So alongside cutting off her hair, she had also been bound and gagged, and it was clear that she fought incredibly hard, which wasn't a surprise to anyone that knew her, as she had been trained in martial arts. Ichihashi had also been trained in martial arts, and he was a black belt. So this guy was serious. Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier, he, I mean, basically all he did was work out. Like he didn't have a job. He spent most of his time working out. How did he pay for his apartment? He lived off of an allowance from his family, which I will Aww. get into a little bit more in a second. How cute. Yes. So Lindsay ultimately died of strangulation. He strangled her so hard that he actually like broke her neck. He Ugh. Some reports said that he broke her neck and then others, other reports said that he broke the cartilage in her neck, but basically he did a lot of damage to her neck. Sure. Much has been speculated about Ichihashi and his family, due in part to the desire to find him at this point. Yeah. But the press in Japan don't publish details the same way we do here. So the parents were allowed much more privacy than we're probably used to. Although the press did try to camp outside of the parents' house to get any information possible, but they just were not successful. What we do know is that Ichihashi came from a wealthy, successful family. The apartment he lived in had actually been passed down from his grandmother to his parents to him, so they've had money for a while. At the time of the murder, he didn't have a job, like I said. Instead, he had an allowance from his parents. This allowed him to spend tons of time working out, like I also said. Right. Surprisingly, officers learned that he had a girlfriend at the time of the murder, and they had been together for a year at this point. And by all accounts, they had a normal relationship. So I don't know what he was planning on doing with the bathtub when his girlfriend came over, but maybe, maybe she he never just, went there. Yeah, maybe he was just going to keep her away from the apartment and they didn't go there anyway. Or you're just not allowed on the balcony, babe. What about in the bathroom? Maybe you replace. <laughs> maybe you. Maybe you replace the bathtub. I didn't think of that, dude. Yeah. Oh no. You could. You could replace the bathtub, hey, though. Hey, babe. Um, where's your bathtub? <laughs> <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> Several wigs were found in his apartment as well, which stumped investigators. They weren't sure if he was wearing them himself or if he had them for some other reason. Some people speculate that he was very interested in Western culture and he felt that wigs were a part of Western culture. So that's why he had them. But I don't know. That doesn't really make sense to me. So I, I'm not sure. No one's really sure about the wigs. Huh. They also found an unusual amount of pomegranate juice in his apartment, which they used to try to track him down by contacting all of the pomegranate juice retailers in the country to see if they had any helpful information. He had that much pomegranate juice? Yes. Like this guy's wholesale in it. We got to call them the shippers. It, I mean, it was like the only thing he drank, it sounds like. That's crazy. 
Lindsay's father, Bill, and her boyfriend, Ryan, flew out to Japan to speak with investigators and to help in any way that they could, while her mother, Julia, contacted the foreign office in London. But she felt they weren't very helpful. She spent tons of time writing emails to any politician who may have the power to help her. And she asked for help from the foreign secretary and prime minister at the time, which was Margaret Beckett and Tony Blair, respectively. And they did respond to her. Blair's wife, Sherry Beckett, also offered help after receiving an email from Julia. Once the new prime minister, Gordon Brown, came into office, Julia reached out to him for help too, but him and his foreign secretary, Ed Miliband, never responded. So since those specific people didn't respond, she was trying to talk to the foreign office again, you know, to try to get connected. And They responded by telling her that she was lucky they even got their daughter's body back. So super inconsiderate and just incredibly fucked up, honestly. Meanwhile, in Japan, police worked hard to find Ichihashi. They asked the public to be on the lookout and added him to the most wanted list. Since they found his passport in his apartment, they thought he was likely still in the country, but they didn't rule out international travel because they thought maybe he got a counterfeit passport or something like that or at least they they thought it was possible that he could have gotten a counterfeit passport but they thought it was more likely that he was just still somewhere in japan right they also showed the public pictures of ichihashi dressed like a woman i'm assuming they did this because of all the wigs that they found in his apartment so i think they were thinking like This is what he looks like as a man. This is what he looks like as a woman. Please stay on the lookout for both because he might be in disguise. Yeah, that makes tons of sense. There was a lot of speculation that Ichihashi might be gay or bisexual. So they focused on areas that were heavily populated by the LGBTQ population in Japan. But the only evidence they had to support this theory were the wigs in his apartment. So... It's a stretch. I think, it's yeah, a stretch. Yeah. But but they're they're trying to cover bases at least. Finally, they're doing something. Yes. Needless to say, this approach was less than helpful. Police ended up raising the reward from 1 million yen to 10 million yen in hopes the public would pay closer attention and call in if they saw him. Please pause. 1 yeah. million yen is 7 grand. Yeah. And so they, they took it up to 70, though. Yeah. So, yeah, for anyone who's wondering about the conversion... I, it's roughly seven grand now right now yeah yeah so right now one million yen is equal to about seven thousand dollars u.s dollars and 10 million yen would obviously be equal to about seventy thousand u.s dollars but i mean multiplying it by 10 that's a that's a big difference in the amount of money so i'd rather take ten dollars than one dollars (laughs) right Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Finally, two years after Lindsay was murdered, someone did spot him. A plastic surgeon's office had been contacted by a man named Kosuki, I believe is how you say it, who wanted to get work done on his face. Change my whole face, doctor. <laughs> Everything about it. During his consultation, they took photos of him, which is obviously standard. But they noticed something strange. He had two scars where moles had been removed on his face. The staff felt the whole thing was just really weird and quite suspicious, so they sent the photos over to police. If you looked at the photos without knowing the story, you might not think it was Ichihashi. He looked very different than he did before going on the run. His nose was longer and narrower. He had double eyelids, and his lips looked different. Excuse me? And obviously the moles were gone as well. What is a double eyelid? Um, it's so a double, like I have double eyelids. A, someone who doesn't have double eyelids, basically there's no crease right here. <gasps> oh. So it's just like. So the above part of your eye doesn't have like a crease. I do. Don't yeah, I? you have double eyelids. Is that common to not have them? Um, yeah, depending on what like part of the world thing? you're yeah. born in, um, some, like, I think white people generally have double eyelids, but some don't. Um, but I think other races do and some don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, I mean, I guess, I guess all of that makes sense. I just hadn't heard that term ever or in a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember shit from biology in high school. Yeah. You know, but the resemblance was definitely there. Like it, if you know what you're looking for, you can see that, okay, that does that does look like him, even though there's some differences. Yeah, like the cheekbone structure, jawline, stuff like that, right? Yeah. Considering the fact that a plastic surgeon's office sent the photos, police knew he must have undergone other surgeries to change his appearance in order to hide. Sure. This update was broadcast on Japanese news stations, leading Ichihashi to see it. <laughs> of course. He said his heart began racing as he stared back at his new face on the TV. He needed a plan to get as far away from the town he was staying in as possible. So he went out and bought a cheap costume that included a mustache, sideburns, and a beard before heading to the Osaka ferry terminal that took passengers to Okinawa. <laughs> I will get sideburns. <laughs> <laughs> he would stand out like a sore thumb. Not to mention they're like shitty quality costume yeah. sideburns. So 
on a boat where like the wind's blowing and yeah, shit. Yeah, your sideburn just flies this off. It's just a jackass. <laughs> All right, go ahead. On November 10th, 2009, as he tried to board the ferry, an officer stopped him. And No way. Also, we don't know if he was wearing the costume at this point. Sure, so. sure. Just saying. He was. In um, my mind, he's wearing it. Yeah. He's also got like a yellow raincoat on. Yeah. That's how I'm seeing him. Yeah. Something that's like just drawing a shit ton of attention to himself. Yeah. An idiot. So on November 10th, 2009, as he tried to board the ferry, an officer stopped him and asked his name. Probably exhausted from running and knowing his time was basically up, he just told the officer what his real name was and obviously he was promptly arrested. So the the police officer knew, probably. That part is actually not, I was not sure. Based on what I saw in all of the different articles and reports, it, I, it wasn't clear if the officer was asking because he thought it was Ichi Hashi or if he just thought there was something weird and suspicious about the guy or what it was. But I really, 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 really hope that he was wearing the costume. Me and too. the cop was like, hey, uh, <laughs> what the fuck is going name, on? Dude? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope so, too. Who are you, George Clooney? Like, what the hell's happening? Yeah. Why are you in a disguise? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ichihashi was initially charged with abandoning a corpse as detectives investigated the crime more, but... Oh, sure. So they can charge him with something to hold him. Yeah. So they can escalate charges. Yeah. Sure. yeah. And at first he refused to admit his guilt, but they still ended up charging him with the rape and murder of Lindsay. Sure. On top of the abandoning a corpse. As time went on, though, he conceded and told them that he was involved, but he didn't mean to kill her. He said that he was just trying to keep her from screaming while he sexually assaulted her. And after she died, he attempted to resuscitate her. That's what he said. But yeah, either way, it's fucking disgusting. Yeah. Oh, no, I just I was just trying to rape her. What the fuck? Yeah, it's really, really, really fucked up. Rotten hell. When his case went to trial, he was ultimately sentenced to life in prison. Good. Her family really wanted the death penalty, but I think in Japan, from what I was reading, the death penalty is it's pretty rare. rarely given out. And they felt because he had no prior charges that maybe there was some chance that he could be rehabilitated. So they gave him life in prison. So annoying. Yeah. But I also, I I personally am conflicted with um, capital punishment. Yes. I'm also very conflicted on capital punishment, but I can understand why a family would want that. Even though I personally. Yeah, I can understand it. Totally. Struggle with the idea of capital punishment. I would struggle with it, but still might also say, kill the motherfucker. You know, I I might. I don't know. That's the thing is nobody knows until they're in that situation. Right, right. This case was covered pretty extensively in the media. And part of the reason is, well, obviously because he was on the run. So they were trying to get that out there. Right. But also because of his attempts to conceal his identity. <laughs> so obviously we talked about the fact that he got plastic surgery. And I'll tell you really quickly um, what he did get done by a plastic surgeon. He got a nose job, obviously, and he had also had his eyelids done professionally by a plastic surgeon. Sure. 
but he had given himself surgery as well. There you go. By cutting out his moles and cutting his bottom lip to make it smaller. He said he wasn't able to follow through with his lip the first time because it was so painful, but he finished it up a couple days later in a public restroom. Jeez. He wore a face mask afterwards to hide the scarring, which wasn't weird because many people in Japan wear face masks when there's high pollen, which there was at the time. And if you're wondering how he afforded the the multiple operations that he did get done by a plastic surgeon, it is because he was working these construction jobs and saving up money, which I guess it, it just because he went from not working at all to... You know, so he wasn't on mommy and daddy's dime anymore. No, when he ran away, he did not contact any of his family and friends. Smart. Yeah. I'll give him that. Yeah. Like I said, he ended up writing a book about the case, but he mainly focused on his time on the run. And like I also said, I think it's really disgusting that any publishing company would pick up his book for obvious reasons. So that is, you know, the, I mean, we're not going to reference it. Yeah, I mean, I told you the name of it, but I'm I'm not going to personally watch it and compare the true story to the book or movie like I sometimes do, just right. because I don't want to support the book or movie in any yeah, way. So, yeah. but I did think that it was an interesting case to talk about, and I also think that the conversation around these types of things is interesting as well. Like, sure, how do you feel about? someone who's been convicted of rape and murder writing a book about the rape and murder from just their perspective. Do you think that that is unethical for a publishing company to pick up like I do? Or do you think that that benefits society in any way? Or do you not have any thoughts on it? You just think it's a thing. So I can see maybe uh, college courses benefiting People that do research. Yes. Someone like in the FBI or, you know, I've been into criminal minds recently because I'm sick and I've been just grinding TV. Yeah. And so I can see someone like that being able to analyze it, but it's probably also inflated bullshit. Right. So that's the thing. Like when it's just from the killer's perspective, there's probably going to be a lot of justifications in there that aren't true. A lot of just lies in there, but I do agree. I think that there is a lot of like, there's research opportunities in reading someone's writing about the crimes that they've committed. I 100% agree with that. I guess my question is in order to do that, does a publishing company have to publish it for the general public? And (laughs) Should the person be able to make any royalties from the book, which I know in America, I don't, I don't think that they're able to anymore. You cannot. Yeah. Um, For a long time. Yeah. But in other countries, I'm not sure exactly what the case is. It sounds like in Japan, it sounds like he was able to, because he was able to offer it to the family. Maybe he was like, just going to funnel the money directly to them. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't go to him and then go to hit them. Like, it would just go to them. Like, they make the money from this. Yeah, I'm not sure how it would have been set up, and I'm not so, sure if he was able to keep the royalties since they declined. Right, but that that would be a reason why a publishing company would pick it up. Because if it's a good enough book, right, that guy's not making any money. They are. They're making all of it. Right. and that, It's unethical, but I can see why they would do it. 
yes, I, I understand from a financial point why you would do it, but I do think it's still unethical. I also think it's a gamble because, you know, some people might be upset about that and not want to, you know, yeah. buy books from your publishing company anymore, but a lot of people might not care. So yeah. Right. Um, I think that it's probably a bit of a controversial topic. I think people are going to have different ideas and beliefs about how okay or not okay that is. I want to hear. I and hope people respond. Yes, I hope people respond too. I would love to hear everyone's thoughts on it. So that's Lindsay Hawker's story. And I hope that we're all able to remember her story over the story of yeah, whoever Ichi his Hashi. name is. Yeah, whatever his name is. Um, because absolutely fuck him. And Lindsay sounds like she was a bright, beautiful, intelligent woman whose life was tragically cut too short. Yep. And I just, my heart breaks for her and her family. So thank you all so much for listening. We will be back very soon. And in the meantime, if we don't talk to you beforehand. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful holiday, but we might talk to you beforehand. So who knows? Yeah. It just depends. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. I love you guys all so much. Thank you all so, so much for spending time with us and listening to us. We really, really appreciate it. Okay. Bye. Bye. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.